The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him across the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, and to them he said, Amen, amen, I say to you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, the Father, God has set his seal. So they said to him, What can we do to accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent, So they said to him, What sign can you do that we may see and believe in you? What can you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the desert, and it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. My father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. The Gospel of the Lord. It's a very painful thing. To give a gift to someone, a gift of great value, for which you have made a great sacrifice, and to have it either ignored or rejected. And that is even more true if you have gone into battle for it if the sacrifice was one that demanded a struggle.
And yet, that experience is the experience of God. And we see it today in this sixth chapter of St. John's Gospel, which began last week and will go on for three more. The Bread of Life Discourse. We heard it in the first reading today from the book of Exodus. The people of Israel were always complaining. They thought that God had taken them out of Egypt to in some way give them a comfortable life full of all the world's blessings. He had taken them out of Egypt to transform them, to galvanize them into his people to prepare the world for his coming. But they were constantly complaining to Moses beginning with food. Why did you take us out of Egypt to die here? Why couldn't we have died there? We could could sit around our flesh pots. And so God gave them food. Manna and quail. He fed them. They still weren't satisfied. But God gave them what they'd asked for. It was a miracle. And in a sense, a natural miracle. He gave them natural food which was all they seemed to want. And in today's gospel, once again, it continues. Our Lord, last Sunday, you remember, fed them. Fed them with loaves and fish. And they're impressed. It was a great miracle. Again, he gave them natural food. They're impressed with it. They want more of it. Who wouldn't? Free food. This man can do it, whoever he is. So they're going to follow him in large numbers, as we're told today. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. But our Lord confronts them. He says, You're looking for me not because you saw signs, not because you recognize who I am, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. He gave them a glimpse of something far greater. So first we have Moses giving them, through a a miracle of God, a minor miracle in a sense, food to eat, natural food. Our Lord then, through a greater miracle, gives them food to eat, and they want that. And our Lord then begins a conversation with them as he gradually reveals to them the great gift that he wants to give them. And so he says, you should be searching for food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, I will give you. Remember something, please. The Gospel of St. John was written late. and By that time, there were already errors beginning to arise. St. Paul points that out, too. In his Gospel, he writes to correct those errors, one of them being about the confession of sins, which we see after Easter when he gives the apostles the power to forgive sins. And today, again... We go into the Bread of Life discourse because the Eucharist was the central problem. And they say, what can we do to accomplish the works of God? Whatever they're saying, what they want is food, natural food. And the Lord says, this is the work of God. Believe in the one who he sent. Believe in me. What do they ask for? A sign. What sign do they want? Food. They want to be fed. And they say, our ancestors ate manna in the desert. 
challenging him to do the same thing again. And our Lord then says, no, it was my Father that gave you the true bread from heaven. But the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they say, give us this bread always. Notice how much they are like us. They don't love him for his sake, not for who he is, but for what he can give them. How typically human. How typical of us, too. We always want to go back to Egypt, don't we? Egypt is the symbol of sin, the symbol of slavery. We want what we had before. We don't want to move forward into something else. Sir, give us this bread always, and we'll be happy. That's enough, please. Our Lord then begins to tell them what they don't understand and will not want to hear. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. This is a challenge to them. I am the bread of life. It has been said that the Eucharist is the sacrament of truth. I think that's really quite wonderful. The Eucharist is the sacrament of truth. Either we accept the truth or we do not. And in our Lord's public life, this is a critical moment. This is the moment of truth, as we will hear in the next few weeks. A truth that we will either accept completely and absolutely, humbly and lovingly, or else it will be a point of rejection, confrontation, something to be fought. But this is the moment of truth. We will see then what happens when he announces it. There's no middle road in this, as we will see too. So we then come here today because we believe that the Lord is the bread of life. He's given us this great gift, the gift of transforming power. But we don't, when we come to the Lord, of course we often come because of what he can do for us naturally, but our primary gift is to love him for himself. That's the grace he gives us, to love him because of who he is. In order to reinforce that, of course, we have the cross. That's the battle, by the way, that makes it possible for him to give us the gift that very often we don't want and most of the world doesn't want to accept. But that's the means by which this comes about. And we then will learn that new kind of love. At least twice I've mentioned that poem of Gerard Manley Hopkins, Deus Ego Amo Te, God, I Love You, in which he speaks about the motives for loving God. This, I think, is the greatest of all motives, the greatest of all gifts. What he says, you remember, is, then I, why should not I love thee, Jesus, so much in love with me? Not for heaven's sake, not to be out of hell for loving thee, not for any gains I see, 
but just the way that thou didst me, I do love and I will love thee. Remember that prayer of St. Thomas Aquinas I've mentioned several times, the beginning of it? He always said before receiving communion, such a great and holy and innocent saint, Almighty and ever-living God, I approach the sacrament of your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. I come sick to the doctor of life, unclean to the fountain of mercy, blind to the radiance of eternal life, and poor and needy to the Lord of heaven and earth. How beautiful. Uh, We come here in that way, too. Uh, Thankful for this great gift that we cannot fully appreciate, but we can love, and recognizing that God, in fact, has come to us. God is present. God is here. Remember how he finished that poem? What must I love thee, Lord, for then? For being my King and God. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, that her members will always grow in the grace of the Eucharist that they receive and be visible signs of that love, especially the Church persecuted, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For all nations of the world, especially our own, that they may come to know Jesus Christ in his body and blood, to know the greatest of his gifts, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For all those who are sick and suffering, for those who are hospitalized or in nursing homes, that they may know that in their suffering they are united to our Lord in the Eucharist, that the Eucharist may strengthen them in their suffering. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have left the Eucharist, we pray to the Lord. For the legal protection of the unborn in our own country, we pray to the Lord. An increase in vocations to priesthood in the consecrated life. Those young men and women will be visible signs of the Eucharist the Church gives to them, visible signs of Jesus Christ present. For greater reverence for their visible sign in marriage in a single life, we pray to the Lord. Lord For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy. For during these difficult times, the Eucharist may strengthen them. To be heroic witnesses, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, we will be so transformed by the Eucharist in our own lives that the world will know the presence of Jesus Christ in us. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We now join our prayers to those of the mother of the Eucharist as we sing. 